0: Welcome back to another episode of Give Me Some Truth, uh, Friday afternoon. I'm in the booth with Keith and Sill. Um, this is Nate. For those of you that are listening, uh, recent market events. Uh, um, very quickly, do we still call it a booth? Well, uh, right, that it's actually a good call. It's probably more of a uh, a, a room, if you will, a uh, a salon. Uh, sure, <laughs> if you will. A shirt, uh, a sure, a
1: nod to you know Sill's French room. Absolutely. <laughs> It is a market salon.
0: It's a place where we're going to figure out some answers to what's going on in the markets today, Hmm. Uh, or at least be able to uh, try to help people frame uh, mentally what's happening and uh, maybe thinking about it in a little different way. Um, So the uh, kind of the premise that we're going off of today is the idea of timing the market versus time in the market. A uh, relatively large distinction um, between those two ideas. Um, I'll start with Sill. Sil, so you and I talked a little bit before we hit the record button here. Um, kind of give give a little bit of a brief brief synopsis in terms of our our logic behind the idea of timing the market versus time in the market, and and um, maybe why that's applicable to what's going on today. Sure, I mean. <sighs> And there's
2: quite a lot to this discussion, but at a really basic, fundamental level, uh, it's the better way to invest, right? the The reason we tell people to stay invested is not because we are, uh, you know, uh, dogmatic about it. Um, it's just because we think it's going to be better long term. Because we think it's the ma- the way to make money in markets long term. Um there's a lot of data really that supports this idea, right? So you can slice it and dice it a number of different ways. But the message is always the same. And it's that it is better in the long term to remain invested. And yes, that is also true of, you know, difficult periods of the market spikes in volatility and everything else. Um, If you look back historically, buy and hold strategies have done a lot better. Um, the way to make money long-term in markets is to remain invest- invested and be there when the market has this really great day or two days or you know, that really great week when
0: um, all of that risk is finally being rewarded. And potentially in the midst of a, of a, of a significant downturn overall. Right? absolutely and these days can happen absolutely somewhat unannounced and these days these really strong
2: market days tend to happen they tend to cluster around these periods of really high volatility just like we're in right now so it's this idea that with chaos comes right. you know opportunities and you just have to be there for that right that's a big part of it and you and i were talking before this podcast about The kind of data that looks at um, market returns over a really long period of time and then so i think there's some really good data from jp morgan for example that shows that if you were invested for um, 20 years in a broad index like the s p 500 you would have something like a nine percent nine and a half percent average return during that period of time but if you missed just the best five or 10 market days, your returns would be just half of that. That is literally how important it is to just capture those, the big upswings in markets. And like you just said, they tend to happen in periods of really high volatility. They tend to happen when there's a lot of chaos, chaos a lot of back and forth, a lot of uncertainty. And so that's the really hard part is to see the uncertainty as something that will also eventually be uh, a source of opportunity. And I think a lot of people tend to underestimate the, the extent to which market returns are concentrated around really short periods of time right is we all tend to think about our portfolios and say okay you know i'm supposed to get 5% a year at least from my portfolio and so we see a 10 or 15 or 20% downturn and we're like oh my god you know my my i won't be able to retire or it's just you know terrible things are going to happen um but the reality is risk is not rewarded evenly over time sure and you could absolutely achieve very strong long-term returns even while exposing yourself to that occasional you know sell-off and so it's just it's a bit of a mental exercise um to remind yourself of the importance of staying the course sure because we all have a a tendency to want to react and it's just normal and we all feel it here you see the news flow, you see volatility, and you feel an urge to, to act, to do something. And oftentimes that can be a source of mistakes. Sure. Because if you change course, if you sell, then you put yourself in a very difficult situation because now you have to, you have to start timing the market and it's a different game. Because once you sell, you have to time your sale order is right. So you have to sell at the right time. And then if you want to get back in, then you have to be right again. So selling and re-entering means that you have to get it right not once, but twice. Right, And that's extremely difficult.
1: And and as well in taxable accounts, right? You're handing, handing the house 15% in capital gains in many cases, right? And so then further, you have to get it right because you're you are know, realizing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think, you know, you're even further in the hole there. Right?
2: Absolutely. Once you include taxes and trading costs, it's even harder to keep up.
0: Right. While trading. trading. Keith, what's your reaction to that idea time in the market, time in the market? I mean, what, what kind of first blush reaction? To well, you know,
1: I, I would say in, in some sense, it's, it's the conversation that we have about everything that we do, right? It, 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 finances kind of govern on time in the market, timing the market, um, one of the things that I repeat often, and I think the time in the market should also relate to where you are in your life, okay. right? Uh, you know, we, we're using it as staying in the market, right. right? But if you're, you know, 30, 35, one of those old things that when financial advisors get together and we tell bad jokes and that sort of thing we always say is, you know, the stock market is the only thing that people don't want to buy when it's on sale. I, I said that today. Yep. And so, um, you know, it's a a financial advisor cliche, I think, probably at this point. But the the point being is, if you're in the accumulation phase of your life, right, you want to be buying now. You don't want to be running away. And fortunately, we have things in place to force that buying discipline on you. Right. You know, in terms of regular 401k contributions and so on and so forth. But from the, the bigger picture is, you know, thinking about, making sure that you stick to a regular contribution plan you stick to that plan you don't try to think that you're smarter than than the market by not buying now because this is when you want to buy right right? especially if you're in the accumulation phase and then the, the other thing that i think you know time in the market people often go uh you know where they are in their their lifestyle in their life stage well in many cases we know that if you're drawing on your funds you know, we want to give you a cushion and a buffer. And, you know, so you you want to have different asset classes. Now, um, you know, and, and chances are, if you've gone through a plan, your advisor knows that it's not going to always go up 40% and, you know, year over year, or that it's not going to just be a steady nine and a half percent return. So they've also prepared for, this is your
0: time in the market. Yeah, we're going to be selling some of it, but we're not selling everything. I think that's a great point. Let me jump in just a second. I, I think that we're, we're, um, where there's misconception in a lot of cases is, especially if you're drawing down assets or if you're living on your investments, is, well, I'm I'm drawing on my assets. Therefore, uh, whatever my portfolio is down rate of return wise, I, I'm, I'm losing that every time I, I take out a withdrawal, right? And, and, and missing the concept that we as advisors can pick and choose which asset classes we're selling out of and drawing money out of to facilitate distributions. And therefore, we don't necessarily have to be selling an investment that has lost money, even though your overall portfolio rate of return might be negative, right? There might be packets your portfolio that have actually held the line or potentially even done well in down markets. And so therefore, it kind of goes back to the idea of a well-diversified plan so that we're... we're uh, afforded the ability to pull from an asset class that isn't necessarily down as much as the market is down.
1: yeah, and I think you know uh, and still uh, we've you know on the international side we we see this as well. not everything is is as poor year to date as as the u s markets are. um I'm thinking Asian markets have held up fairly well year to date relative to the u s. um and so I, I think it's also getting that perspective of you know, we, uh, getting rid- away from that idea of just being one market.
0: Yes. Right. 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 I and understanding that your portfolio is, is a, is a, if, if done correctly, <clears throat> excuse me, right. It's, it's a, a grocery cart uh, of investments, right? It, it is not all p- picked from the same, um, you know, area of the grocery store, if you will, it, it, it has a myriad of different investments within it and, and, and it's done so for a reason. And, and right now in the market is the, re- is the reason why we have that. Right. Uh, so you and I were talking earlier as well about the idea that, um, you know, people don't, I don't know that people fully understand the concept of timing the market or maybe wouldn't necessarily label themselves as market timers. Uh, because I think in some cases it's easier for people to say, well, they don't day trade. So I'm not a market timer or, or, or I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, stock trader, if you will. Therefore I'm not a market timer. And I think you and I talked about the idea that, uh, Kind of, if if you will, everyday investors can can trip themselves into the area of market timing, uh, even though they don't define themselves as market timers. Right? Sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's many ways that you could engage in excessive market timing in 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 a way. You could just think about trying to cut risk, for example, when you see a lot of volatility. So stay invested but not stick to the plan, not stick to sure.
0: long-term strategic allocation. and So let me know, jump in. SIL is a CFA, so let me just uh, define what that means for the non-CFA people. Um, taking your portfolio and making it less risky there.
2: Okay. Exactly. Oh,
1: right. right. well, right. I thought you were going to define CFA and just say SIL is much better I mean, A- on the technical side of discussing investments, it doesn't and need you to and be I said. I mean, I think yeah. that's clear yeah. already. Well, I mean, we're, we all, yeah, you know, we're, we all. we're dropping in the the folksy wisdom, right? We're like, oh, right, it's exactly. The, the grocery
0: cart. Uh, you know, <laughs> we we understand the rank, if you will, in the office <laughs> of of designation. Yeah, CFA being, you know, the uh, the one that wears the crown. Yep. Sorry, continue. No, that's my cue to stop talking. So like, it sounds like I've already said too much. Much. <laughs> he, gets, he gets to use the fancy words. He does, he does. Yeah,
1: you know, and he's going to start talking about two standard deviations. Exactly, and, and clicks and whatnot.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, right, we talk about people yeah. saying, you know, the idea of of literally, right, I want the pain to stop, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so therefore, kind of complete the sentence. Well, anything that comes after that might as well just be labeled as mm-hmm. – Market timing, right, at Absolutely. that point. You know, it's, it's really
2: tempting to try to cut risk, try to reduce your equity allocation and all of that. Right. Um, but that's not necessarily the right thing to do, right? Um, and again, that is being reactive. That is trying to time the market.
0: And it comes with a lot of risks, right? So well, it, which is interesting, right? So the idea of cutting risk, right? Mm-hmm comes with a lot of risks. Absolutely. And I don't know that that necessarily is is understood correctly either. Absolutely.
2: And um, yeah, I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier about having to get it right twice, uh, obviously, you know, now you could decide to go to cash or buy just short term treasuries or short term bonds because uh, stocks are selling off and uh, interest rates are going up, for example. Very, very uh, logical, reasonable uh, position to be taking. Uh, at the same time, you're exposing yourself to, to, to risks, right? Because who knows what might happen in the coming quarters and months and years, right? And so you could find yourself in a situation where you've made that shift in your portfolio only to find that the market then goes up 20%. And you find yourself then you know, chasing that rally and reinvesting after the market's gone up twenty percent. And that's when it's it tanks
0: another ten percent when you just reinvested, right? Right. <laughs> I think it was interesting is and Keith I want you to, to, to kind of run with this idea they so you know March of 09, right, was was more or less the the, the bottom of, of the you know oh eight oh nine ugliness and there were people that, that were selling out hand over fist at that time and and may still not be reinvested yep. fourteen mm-hmm. years later, right? Yep. No.
1: And yeah, we've talked to them, we've seen them and, and they're the people that will, you know, say, well, you know, we've, we've just never had really good luck with the market. Right. And, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to, you know, think through the longer term and think, you know, you're, you don't, you know, your house price, well now with things like Zillow and so on, maybe you can get that, but Your house, you know, a lot of people becomes a great store of value because it becomes a set it and forget it. You pay your mortgage automatically every month. You accumulate the equity. You you do that. You don't think, oh, my house value went down $500 last Mm -hmm. month. I'm not going to put any money into my house or my house appreciated. I'm going to put double the money into my house now, right? It's a nice steady. And I think investing, you know, in the markets, we get because of their liquid, because you can pull the money in and out so easily, we don't necessarily mentally approach them in the in the same manner, which is, you know, keep calm, you know, stick to the plan. You know, what, what I do want to stress is as well, what we see frequently is the flip side of this eliminating risk, right, is when things are going well, people are taking more risk, right? right. And so one right. of the conversations we often have with people is, well, we want to buy a house in in six months. Um, you know, what should we invest this in? It's right. going to go up for sure in six months. Right. Because when the market's going up, people just think, "Oh, it's going to keep going up." Well, in that six min- month period, yeah, for the year it might go up nine percent. But the the smaller you shrink that period, the higher chance that you're going to have, you know, the opposite opposite of that big up day. You could have that big right. down day mm-hmm. before you close on your house and nobody wants that. Right. You don't want to have to be, you know, digging through your piggy bank to take money to your closing. Right.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I want to be clear too, for the people that are listening that, that um, in this conversation uh, the risk that's involved, the, the scariness of the market, what's happening right now um, we're not being flippant. We're not uh, dismissing it as, as, as saying, you know, the, the fears aren't real or that people, you um, you know, th- that it's not scary. It is. We, we absolutely respect that and, and we're not telling people to to not be frustrated or, or um, you know, angry about the results of the market recently. We, we completely get it. I think it's just more of understanding that um, during these times is when you, you absolutely need to rely on your advisor to help get you through because these are the times where people tend to make more Uh, Emotional decisions, Mm -hmm. which in a lot of cases can, can unfortunately not be founded in, um, kind of objective, uh, you know, kind of well thought out decisions. And it can be a little bit more of a reactionary decision, which in a lot of cases I think can lead to, uh, just unfortunately bad results.
1: Yeah. And I think what we should stress, right. Is my feeling is the best investors, the ones that have, have done the best over time, right. Um, have a, have a, couple of things that they rely on and one of them is a plan and they they stick to it right and that they they believe in their plan and yeah it's really easy to you know and and we all have it you know i think when the market is up you know 10 percent year to date it's it's an easier time to to do our job you know it's easier to convince people to take risk off the table in those environments than it is to put it on in certain cases right, right. now, right? right? And so I, I think, you know, from our perspective, we're not trying to minimize it. What we're really trying to do is say, hey, step back, because what often happens in these situations is you feel like the world is mm-hmm. closing in on you, and I think Silla's done a good job of, of yep. making the case that, hey, let's draw back the curtain. Let's not let it get all locked in on us. Let's look at the big picture again.
0: Right, because, you know... and. The, I think the stat, it, I think it still holds true. It, it did uh, um, a number of years ago, but the averages will show us that the market is up seven out of every 10 years, somewhere in that neighborhood, right? And so if we just think about it just from a sheer number standpoint, you know, if, if every 10 years, um, you know, we, we have seven pluses and three minuses on average, uh, we, we would ov- obviously rather be on the, the seven plus years side of it than the three negative years. But I think the trickiest part is is understanding that uh, nobody sends us an email or gives us a call when we're going to have one of those three years. All right. Absolutely. I mean, there's
2: there's been a lot of very valid reasons to sell over the last, you know, several decades. And at the end of the day, for a patient long-term investor, um, you know, it would have always made sense to stay invested, right? So you have to play the percentages and you have to give yourself the best possible chance to win. And uh, you know, the way to do that is just to remain invested, even when things are tough, even when, things, when there's a lot of volatility um, like you said, there's even investors who will take the opportunity to add more, the opportunity to buy. And that's very hard to do. Um, but the way markets work, almost by definition, is that the best time to buy right. is when it makes you physically sick to just even think about buying. Right, <laughs> That's just how it is because the bottom comes when all hope is gone, right? <laughs> That's literally how. And it I works. think what
0: right, and, and, and I think the, part of the reason for that, right, is that just from a psychological standpoint, we, as humans, we're, we're built, and they have proven this that we, you know we're, we're built to uh, put more emphasis on pain, negative, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be. It, it, it's, I think it's almost literally twice, however they measure that, but we feel twice as much pain when 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 right. we go through that mm-hmm. than we do euphoria when things mm-hmm. are going well. Right. right. And, and I think that that goes all the way back to the idea that, you know, obviously if you, if you touch the fire, it's going to burn your hand. So probably don't do that again. And so I think it's easier for people to say, well, I've been through this before and it didn't right. turn out well. And so I'm not going to make that mistake again, as opposed to realizing that if we just push through these times, mm-hmm. you know, we get out the other side, Right. I mean, think about the last, what, 15 years we had, well, the last 20 years, right? Tech bubble, right? Yep. You had mm-hmm. 0809. You had COVID, and yet if you yeah. were to stay invested a, that whole
1: time. You had a taper tantrum in 2017 where right. the yep. Fed was raising interest rates. And I think this is a case, too, where one of the values as financial advisors is, in some cases, either in our personal life or our personal investments or just having been through all of this, right? We've seen either seen people get burned or, yes. you know, in the tech bubble, I think probably. Some of us Mm -hmm. got burned on our, you know, Yahoo stock is not coming back like it once was, you know, we've seen people get burned and, and, or been burned ourselves. And so we've learned those lessons ourselves. And so we're, we've gone through that pain for you. And that's why we're trying to, again, understand your concerns, you know, understand that it's not fun to watch your portfolio go down every day, but we, we've, we know to, Hey, you know, We've seen these pain points. We've lived through these pain points with our, our clients before, and that's why we're advocating what we're advocating.
0: Yeah and, and, and I'll use another you know somewhat unrelated analogy, but you know the idea that when you, when you go into the dentist to have some work done, right you know they, they, they give you the, the shot of novocaine and they come back in a few minutes and they test it to see is it still do you still feel pain? and then if you do, they walk away and they give it more time, right. Because yep. they know that if you give it enough time, it works. Uh, and, and it's a matter of simply kind of looking at it and understanding that, that it's not that it, it can't fail, but <laughs> the vast majority of time, given enough time, it works. And I think that that, in a lot of cases, is what's difficult for people is understanding that if we give it enough time, you know, it will work. Um, and I, I think markets prove that out.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's our human
0: psychology. We're not
1: trained to think of our you know, if you're 35 years old, still, you know, 40 years old, your investment horizon is 50, 55 years. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not today. It's not even, you know, if you're drawing down, if right. you're 65 and you're drawing down, it's not even June, you right. know, right. Oh, I've got to, you know, take some money out in June. It's June of, of I'm trying to do, you know, 2052. Sure. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. You know. Right that's right. your time horizon. And, and I think, yeah, it's just from a psychological standpoint, it's hard for us to understand a lot of these things. Right. right. And it, it, it's painful. Nobody, you know, nobody likes to see that those numbers go down.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think uh, an important point as well is a lot of people like know that they're not supposed to sell and they know that historically you look back and it would have been better to stay invested. But there's always a temptation to think that this time is going to be different. And that this crisis is right. not like anything else that we've seen before. That right. this time is different and that this time the market is going to collapse and it's never going to come back because the world is ending. And you know, I think that's human psychology. And in some cases, right. there are you know, reasons why you might think that it is, it is indeed different. And every crisis is different to some extent. But the reality is what we are afraid of when we think that way, it isn't that the world is going to end because the world is not literally going to end. Nobody actually thinks that unless, you know, the world gets, you know, Earth gets hit by something out of space. I don't know. Um, and in that point, your investments won't at, at that, point, yeah, at at that, that point At that point, it won't matter. Um, but what people are afraid of is change. Right. And change happens all the time in markets. And what people are afraid of is dramatic changes that could happen in markets. Right. And the reality is that's not necessarily, that's not something that is going to, you know, make us change your investment strategy because if you're a diversified investor, the reason you're a diversified investor to begin with is in order to be prepared for change. Right. Right. So if things are dramatically different two years from now compared to what they were last year, Right. Um, you know, you're going to have to embrace it in some ways. And maybe what did great for the last 10 years is not what's going to do great in the next 10 years. And yes, maybe the world is going to look dramatically different. Maybe the countries that are doing well are going to be different. Maybe the industries and sectors that are doing well um, are going to be completely different. Maybe they will look nothing alike. But if you were diversified you're giving yourself the opportunity to capitalize on those changes. So the reason we invest the way we we do is not to bet on this idea that nothing will change, but it's specifically to be ready for dramatic changes to happen. Right. We don't know
1: where the changes are happening, but we know
2: that there are gonna be changes. Yeah. Um,
1: by the way, uh, I'm going to drop a phrase here that will allow you to just seamlessly wrap up oh, the I podcast. So. Uh, fr- when uh, Syl was talking about, you know, we know very well everything's going to be this, you know, the market, you know, we know not to sell, but just the same, there was a French uh, psychoanalyst, uh, Manoni, who was fond of saying, "Je sais bien, mais quand même," I I know very well, but all the same. <laughs> and so I think that's what we get in you yes. know, in our mindset in a lot of cases.
0: And I think that, that you're right. That's a good way to close. And I think ultimately what, what we have to keep in mind, too, is that the market can absolutely and does more time than people maybe will even want to realize. The market can overreact itself, right? The market can sell off more than it should. The market can do things that it shouldn't do simply because it's what happens. Right. And so I think that, that understanding that when things get crazy, right, it's not a matter of, of, of kind of how do we make it sane? We have to just let it kind of play out and then be where we need to be when that happens Mm -hmm. so that we can best position ourselves for the rebound that inevitably comes after. So, um, the, the, the last thing I'll say is lean on your advisor during these times. We want to hear from you. We want to hear Uh, You know, phone calls, emails, if you have questions, if you're concerned, let's talk about it. Uh, It's the best way to handle times like this. And maybe we can even uh, discuss some some ways to, um, you know, maybe not redo your portfolio, but maybe there are small things that that people can hear and just make themselves even just feel better for a day or a week that they hadn't thought about before. So we thank you for your time today. uh, Sorry, but just to jump in as well, in a lot of cases, this is where many people's
1: advisors, Run and hide. This is true. Very true. We we want to talk to you. We don't want to run and hide. And if you have friends that are going through this, and they they can't track down their advisor. You know, we're happy to chat.
0: No, that's a good point, Keith. I think now is is when you know, from an advisor standpoint, now is when we do our heavy lifting, and and we're happy to do it, and we want to do the heavy lifting for our clients and prospective clients uh, if they're in a position where they're not getting what they want, or if they feel as though their concerns are falling on deaf ears with their current advisor have them give us a call. Let's talk about it because maybe, um, maybe we're, we're the, uh, the kind of the different fit that, uh, just, just works better for them. So thanks again for your time. And we will look forward to another episode of give me some truth.
3: Walkner Conant Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walker and Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, Or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit wachnercondon.com.